the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. I like that music. And look who is on his way down. Oh, look out, Bam Bam. Here's the idiot here. Bobby Heenan has, uh, has seen this before, and it's... Yeah, well, well, go ahead! Go ahead! Oh, yeah, I wish yeah. he would! I wish he would! Doink with a pail of water! Well, Doink spray Bam Bam! Really throw it on Bam Bam! Or Luna! On the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire, if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and I'm beleaguered, and I'm not feeling great, but I'm still here in the chair like I am every single week to talk about the WWF new generation, this being somewhat of a part two to the episode we did on the heel doink, but with a different guest welcoming in my good friend, my longtime close personal friend at that. The great captain, Mr. Captain's Corner himself, Nick Massey, to talk about babyface doing today. Well, Chad, I want to thank you for having me on today. And more importantly, everyone listening, to thank you for, uh, you know, uh, trucking, trucking through. I know it's been a rough last couple of days. So uh, we're going to have so much fun and I'll make things as easy on you as possible as we talk uh, all things babyface doing today. That's right. And Babyface Doink being the perfect tie-in because as we talked about with Nick in the past, Nick's been on some previous shows uh, talking about all things New Generation. We did a New Generation merch episode uh, about a year and a half ago uh, at this point. But Nick being the virtual signing master that he is, has Face Doink for a virtual signing this week. Give the details uh, here at the top and then we'll do it again at the bottom. I sure do. Now, uh, Doink is one of the many fantastic talents we have coming up. Uh, Killer Cross, Scarlet, Tony Atlas, Bob Norton. But the reason for the season is Doink. And on Saturday, February 19th at 9 o'clock, he will be available on the Captain's Corner Happy Hour, which streams exclusively on Facebook. We'll have photos. We'll have cards. We'll have his really cool WF Magazine cover, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to have a good time. Uh, floor is always open for question and answers, and there'll be a ton of cool merchandise to, to purchase as well. So uh, we'll be on from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, Saturday, February 19th, Doink. Now, Babyface Doink, we're going to talk about uh, for the majority of the conversation, is Ray Apollo. And we all know that he took over the doink role once Matt Bourne was fired. But Ray Apollo is the second technical babyface doink because there was a very short while while uh, Matt Bourne was that babyface doink. Now, to back up, heel doink. Thoughts, memories? Did you like it? Was it goofy? Uh, in retrospect, uh, a little dark. But what were your thoughts on heel doink? 
Well, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, we're about the same age, Chester. So uh, at first, you know, Doink, he was just kind of a comedy. You know, he was just a clown that was showing up doing doing lame tricks to the baby face. But uh, I, like a lot of people, really took him serious when he attacked Crutch, Crush with the cast. And that was when it was like, whoa, this guy is, this guy is a little dark. And uh, from uh, I later found out that it was it was Matt Bourne. I didn't know at the time, but uh, uh, he had that great match with Bret Hart in SummerSlam, and yeah. you know, great couple of great matches with Mister Perfect. And you know, uh, Matt Bourne. It, it's so funny as uh, there's a lot of people that you know were asking who the doink I'm having on the Captain's Corner Happy Hour is, and I think you know Ray Apollo actually was as you know Chatster was was in in the the mask longer than Matt Bourne, but Matt Bourne was so good. During that that you know nine ten eleven month period whatever it might be, uh, that he made such a mark as being the original Doink that people just see him as as in some ways the right the right uh, rightful Doink. So uh, yeah, good memories of Matt Bourne's Doink. Uh, good memories of Matt Bourne uh, in general. What a talent! You know, really interesting to see uh, you know what how Matt would have portrayed the character had he stayed you know with the company longer after he turned over to the good side. Right, because his, uh, I guess, mainstream babyface uh, tenure being Big Josh, not really, sure. uh, you know, like <laughs> setting the world on fire in terms of the memory bank. But, you know, nonetheless, the clown, you know, he was dark, yes, but he could chain wrestle and he was kind of devastating when he executed a certain move. Like he was a good brawling clown. But I got to say, as a babyface, the Matt Bourne doink, was really cutting it for me. So it's almost like even if he wasn't to be fired, maybe there could have been a heel versus baby face doink with Matt being the evil one because, God, he was just so menacing even uh, when he was starting to turn baby face. Oh, absolutely. And let me ask you, Chaz, I'm sure you know because you know all things uh, WWF uh, mid-90s, uh, but what is the... The act, when does the switch over happen? In my mind, it was always right around that Survivor Series, like 90, 93. Yes. Would you say that? Okay. It is in the neighborhood. I was trying to pinpoint the exact date. Uh, the history of WWE.com does have that uh, kind of switch over period um, referenced. And I, I could have sworn they had the date on here. I'm just I'm glancing over it. I must be just as I'm talking to you. But there's a time between October and November where Matt Bourne is fired and in the build for survivor series, it's split. It's half and half. The first half of it is Matt Bourne. The second half of it is Apollo. So it's, it's funny to see as the lead into that match. And I always wondered, is that why do people, do they think people might notice the change? And that's why we didn't see any kind of physical doink presence uh, of the real guy at survivor series. We saw the imposter joints. We saw the bushwhackers, and the men on a mission, but yeah, it's somewhere between October and November. Okay, so yeah, that's that's right. That's right in line with what I, what I what I thought. Um, very interesting because, like you said, uh, it makes you wonder the plan for for that match if it if the original plan of having the Bushwhackers and men on a mission dressing up as, as Fugazi Doinks, if if that was the initial plan, because it's very un WWE like. It feels like WWF like. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, you wonder if maybe the, the switch over uh, for the main character is what what led to that. It's still memorable, but you're right. I wonder what would have been in store if Matt Bourne was still the one portraying Doink by the time uh, November rolled around. Yeah, and like we talked about in the heel episode uh, available in the uh, the archives, 
you know, it, Matt Bourne wasn't the only person to play Doink. There was obviously sure. others that did. Steve Kern, famously. Brooklyn Brawler, famously. Uh, my my buddy here, uh, Captain's Corner, uh, going as far to uh, work with, I think, both, right? You've worked with Kern and uh, the Brawler. Yes, sir. I've worked with Steve Kern before. I've worked with Brawler before. I know Brawler, uh, at some point, uh, we actually uh, auctioned off an original Doink outfit that Brawler uh, was given uh he i guess he was the emergency doink uh from what he told me on that house show run after matt was fired and you know uh before they brought in ray full time i guess brawler w w did did a few weeks of house shows as doink and he still had the costume left over from that run so uh yeah the, the doink character is something that you know it, it, he's he's such a big part of wf tv for 93 and 94 and it's not really discussed as much as, uh, you know, a lot of other guys that, that were there during that time period. But really fascinating stuff, especially with all the people, all the different characters, all the different wrestlers that played that one character. Right. And it's kind of lumped in with what is cartoony about the new generation. But Doink, by the time, like, the meat and potatoes of the new generation is going on, is now like a background character and is not really like a spotlighted uh, merchandise machine you would maybe think doing could have been and i wonder if that is the change between born and apollo and it's not taking anything away from apollo apollo as doing when you see him is you see the baby face clown you see it in his literal face that he's a happier version of this character but i wonder you know had it still been matt born would there have been a different edge to the like booking of the character because Matt Bourne was also a little famously, you know, a complainer <laughs> and he, and he would voice his opinion to Vince and they got in many a, 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 a kerfuffle. But do you think as Doink kind of got less and less spotlighted during the new generation, it was because of the switch in who was playing it? That's a good question. It, it, it does make you wonder, right? Because, uh, Matt Bourne, you know, uh, was considered, like you said, despite maybe some outside the ring issues and maybe some uh, a bit of a hothead, he was considered very, very good at what he did. No one can ever take away from his in-ring abilities. And uh, while Ray Apollo was fantastic in that Doink character on the national seed, other than, you know, a couple of matches as uh, the South African representative uh for starcade 90 one half of the south african team he really didn't have a lot on the national radar so they may not have been as as comfortable or maybe uh you know even as aware of what he could and couldn't do and you know being pushed right into that role it's a, it's a, like, like a sink or swim role you know that chat stick is doink uh he he was eventually kind of uh he was actually i found out wasn't he wasn't he with the company through 96 he just wasn't yeah. doing a live tv maybe yeah he didn't like, do anything with him yeah, like he 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 had a good run, Apollo, but you you can tell that he might have stopped being in as many featured roles, or even uh, as I'm sure we'll talk about some of his other feuds. Uh, never really came out on the winning end of uh, you know too many of uh, his programs that he had after that. No, and more nothing more evident than we just referenced it a few weeks back, uh, the Royal Rumble 1994. We did a whole episode reviewing the match itself. And Doink basically comes in while the heels are dominating the match and is just yeah. utterly decimated <laughs> and looks like a clown. Like he just gets beat up by Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> of all people who he would have, a, you know, quite the program with and is just unceremoniously dumped 
um, after getting, you know, a clever spot in, you know, the uh, the old uh, water in the eyes gag for uh, Diesel and I think a hand buzzer for Bam Bam, um, he gets destroyed. So that's kind of where I see, you know, I don't know if the Matt Bourne doing's getting that destroyed. Now, it's funny when I remember hearing the name Ray Apollo, I thought Phil Apollo, who was sure. a job guy for the WWF, but would come to learn pretty quickly they were two different guys. Yes, similar, similar on my end. I feel like that was a that was a big confusion of uh, that early internet era where uh, when you're going, you're finding out who's who. And I remember Philip Paul not only from being a longtime enhancement talent, but uh, as a kid, I watched uh, Mario Savoldi's ICW later uh, nice. I IWCCW, and Philip Paul was always pretty pretty featured on their TV. Uh, so uh, I thought I thought Philip Paul and Ray Paul were the same person until. Uh, you know, may, maybe uh, late 90s when I started getting confirmation, you know, when maybe news got out there a little more than that initial Internet, you know, uh, kind of uh, formation where you're able to see, oh, no, Phil Apollo and Ray Apollo are two completely different people uh, with two completely different, you know, uh, wrestling styles. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought so, too, at some point. Yeah, I I would love for you to ask uh, Mr. Apollo when you're sitting with him if he recalls exactly when. He donned the, uh, the the cowl for the first time because I'm looking at some of the house show results. And leading into the Survivor Series, there is a series of Doink the Clown versus Brooklyn Brawler matches that you Ooh. would think between October and November, if it was indeed Apollo taking over and Brawler as the emergency Doink, which one of these shows would have been the emergency Doink taking on maybe the likes of a uh, Iron Mike Sharp? Is that the brawler doink or is it, you know, this is one of those things. It's such a fascinating portrayal by different performers all because one guy got fired. Sure. Well, and you know what? To everyone listening, I think that's a great question for everyone to tune in and ask maybe uh, this uh, Saturday, the 19th for the captain's corner happy hour with doink. Uh, Cause like I said, in addition, uh, you know, a bunch of different, uh, items that we'll have available for purchase. Uh, you'll be able to ask Ray any Doink-related questions you want. Uh, from what I've heard, Doink is an open book. So, Chester, if uh, if I don't remember that, I'm sure uh, one, one of the listeners will be able to pop in and ask, ask that question. Beautiful. That's what I want to hear. Uh, now, let's talk about some of the feuds. Okay, so obviously, Heel Doink didn't really get much off the ground. He was starting to kind of feud with the with the heels. He dunks famously the, um, the the water on Bobby Heenan's head, and he begins the feud with Bam Bam Bigelow, and thus the Survivor Series match. Um, but he wouldn't just have Bigelow. He'd also have Jeff Jarrett. You know, he'd have um, a few other guys sporadically. But would you say the Bam Bam feud is the marquee feud of the babyface doink? Oh, I think it would have to be. Um... I feel that was that was kind of uh, both in some ways. Uh, and from what I've heard, they were really good friends, Bam Bam and, uh, you know, uh, Ray Apollo. And we'll probably talk about that, too. During oh, interesting. The okay. Yeah, I actually heard, and I don't know how true it is, that Bam Bam was the one uh, that actually got Ray the job in. May have, you know, helped fill the mask, of helped oh, fill wow. the wig of Doink. Um, so that's something that, I, you know, I have a note in my mind to ask Ray when I'm sitting down with him. But um, you almost feel like, when they when they bring Bam Bam in '93, uh, he's got that he's got that great run on his way to the King of the Ring, you know, uh, King of the Ring Finals, uh, and then also he's got the big win over Boss Man. But I feel like the Doink feud 
uh, was kind of a big moment in the sense that it, it gets him completely elevated as an upper mid-carder, if, if that makes sense. Because he, he kind of dominates the feud. He wins the big blow off at WrestleMania. You know, um, the mixed tag match that everyone remembers. I know we're going to be bringing up Doink's partner in a second. Uh, and uh, I that that was felt like almost a, they were probably on equal. Because I remember as a kid not knowing who was going to win or maybe even expecting Doink and Dink to win. And then, you know, Bam Bam and Luna came away with the win. Do you remember how that happened, Chadster? Yeah, at the, the match at WrestleMania itself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they got killed. <laughs> they yeah, got, yeah. They got absolutely, like, legit, and I mean it because of the splash. Dink gets squashed, and yeah, so does yeah. Doink. They get absolutely destroyed, which you would think at a WrestleMania, even though Bam Bam was that menacing heel that you discussed, you think at WrestleMania, Vince would want the kind of go-home happy moment. Yeah, that Doink, absolutely. Whether it's slipping on a banana peel or some sort of shenanigans gets the victory, over Bam Bam, but no, on the contrary, Bam Bam destroys Doink. And I got to be honest with you, and again, this is no pun, I feel like it took all the whoopee cushion air out of the Doink character that he got completely flattened by Bam Bam. Yeah, it's very un-WWF uh, mid-90s booking for, for the baby face, I feel like, in a few to kind of just really not get anything going. Of course, you know, they, he did outsmart them during the Survivor Series, you know, uh, but uh, at at the same time, uh, it, it it wasn't it, it just didn't it felt weird even as a kid because that WrestleMania ten was such a big show and so many memorable moments and and there was a match even cut you know uh, so just being on that card was prestigious enough but it, it felt like yeah it, that was going to be one of those moments where you know Doink was kind of gonna you know uh, throw a banana peel on Bam Bam's plans and you know that that wasn't meant to be. Yeah, and, you know, it also, it was a weird spot for Bam Bam, too, because you wanted Bam Bam out of that feud and moving on to other stuff, which he, you know, ultimately would as the summer would progress and him and Tatanka would become a team when Tatanka turned and then obviously later the the LT feud. But Doink, you know, after Bam Bam, they throw him with Jeff Jarrett and they have a very odd TV feud Um where, you know, Doink costs Jeff Jarrett a match, um, counts the pinfall, I believe, right? Am I, am I in this trajectory correctly? C- costs them a match, counts a pinfall. That then st- starts their feud. And it was just a TV feud. There was no pay-per-view. There was nothing, you know, no Monday Night Raw, you know, blow-off. It was literally superstars. And again, that kind of shows the downgrading of the character because he didn't really penetrate any of the other spots they would have big shows not even a sunday night slam uh, you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> nick you know you know what i'm talking sure. about the big shows this was relegated strictly to tv do you think that's because they realized they couldn't do much of the babyface clown well it's pretty interesting because uh and i'm sure you'll be able to confirm chatster that that match with bam bam was that doink's last uh because he might have been the rumble 95 i don't remember uh was that his last and i know he was in survivor series 94 but was that his last singles match on a pay-per-view? Well, not singles match, but um, uh, I guess featured match besides that Survivor Series 94 match? Are you talking for which? The, the one, uh, him, him and uh, Dink against uh, Luna and Bam Bam. Yeah, no, that was, that, was, that was it. That was the, the pinnacle of where he would hit. And then everything else was, yeah, just a feature on a, you know, Survivor Series. And he said Royal Rumble. That's it. No, he does not get a, a, Royal, uh, a, a SummerSlam spot. Yeah, uh, yeah, and no, he doesn't get a King of the Ring spot either. Yeah, it's it's a it's really bizarre. Um, 
and, and Jeff at that point too, that was that was another feud where Jeff had been in the company for what probably at that point seven, eight, nine months, and he 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 wasn't really doing much. It was before you know they they got him together with Rhodey and he got the big feud with Razor and the IC title push, correct? And uh, it feels like that was one of those feuds that, that kind of moved Jeff on to bigger and better things and kind of kept Doink at the very at the very best in the same spot. Yes, but I will tell you one thing, and, and I, I did a great episode with uh, my TMPT brother there, uh, Mr. JP, uh, probably about six months ago about things you may have missed, almost Easter eggs of the new generation. And Doink is a part of one of them in his feud with Jeff Jarrett. And I don't know if you'll remember this. You are a very uh, loyal historian and might remember it. Um, do you recall the uh, platform segment where Jeff Jarrett dressed up as Doink and decimated Dink and pie-faced him and silly-stringed him to death, knocking him off the platform and doing a full-blown reveal of Jeff Jarrett underneath the makeup. No, but I, I think I'm going to have to go back and look for that. Uh, I, it's something I probably did watch, you know, in 94, but I, I, I do not have any memories of that. So just hearing you describe it makes me want to you know, go to uh, somewhere where I can stream it and uh, check that out. I don't remember that. Yeah, it's on YouTube and, and it's great. But that's why I want to point out that this was strictly a superstars TV feud, a syndicated TV feud. This was not a, a Monday Night Raw level feud. This was all done on these Saturday afternoon shows where, OK, you want to tune in for an hour a week. You'll see Doink and Jeff Jarrett kind of going at it for a couple of weeks of a program. But it just shows you when he when he's in WrestleMania. <laughs> In a, in a mixed tag match at Madison Square Garden. And then a few weeks later, his little partner is getting destroyed. It shows you where they dropped, uh, you know, their interest. Now, let's go back to Dink. Never a big fan of the Dink character. And it had nothing to do with the cartoonish nature. I just didn't like it. I just didn't feel it was needed. Were you a Dink follower and fan? So, at, at the time, absolutely. Uh, I remember I went to... Uh, one of those uh a house show i don't know when it was somewhere in 94 it was whenever the doink and dink clown bear came out and my dad got me the and i still have dink i have no idea where the doink is but uh and i'm sure it would fetch a pretty penny on ebay but probably would i i still have the doink the the dink little bear that was attached to doink and uh only it's like handful there's only handful items i still have merchandise from growing up but that that is one of them and i did think that dink could do no wrong i thought he was hysterical as as a you know nine <laughs> ten year old child and uh looking back uh that that may not be the case now in terms of me looking with uh i don't want to say jaded eyes but maybe with you know some adult eyes but i i, I could i could see where you know, Dink would have turned people off. I didn't see it as a kid, but looking back now, I could completely see it. It's almost like uh, the jumping the shark moment on uh, Happy Days, right? It's like uh, when the character kind of you're really looking for something to 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 grasp onto to keep keep this thing alive. Just didn't like it. Just absolutely did not like it. Um, and it had nothing to do with the cartoony nature of the, the doink character i didn't mind doink you know and i didn't mind babyface doink i loathed the dink creation and the whole point 
when he was introduced in the the late uh, winter, fall, whatever. I think it was right before Christmas, 93. He's given as a gift from uh, Santa Claus to uh, to Doink. It had very short life, <laughs> in my opinion, and should not have been carried through through the rest of Doink's time. And again, I think it's another thing that hurt it because there was only so much you could do with Dink with Doink. And we'll get back to it very shortly. We will talk about it in a minute because there's one major thing they did with Doink and Dink and a few other clowns and a few other kings. We'll talk about that in, in the, the tail end. Let's talk about merchandise. And that's your uh, th- that's your, your meat and potatoes, okay? Doink's got some merch. Doink's got a lot of current merch. He's had more stuff over the last few years than he ever had. Sure. Um, who is it? Is it Ray Apollo? Is it Matt Bourne? That's a very good question. And Doink, so Doink merchandise is is so fascinating to me. And this is what I mean by it. I, I've worked with, as I know you've worked with a bunch of wrestlers. I've worked with literally hundreds and hundreds of wrestlers, Chad, right? And I've had the Doink Hasbro signed by Steve Kern. I've had it signed by Steve Lombardi. And I have mail-ins that will be taken care of on February 19th, starting at 9 o'clock in Captain's Corner Happy Hour for Ray Apollo. And I don't remember any item I've ever seen. Uh, and there's some classic figures, elite figures that people do the same thing. But I don't remember any other item where people are as willing, able, and ready to have items signed. And it's just of one person, but signed by multiple different people. And I think that is the fascinating thing about Doink. And it this is, and we're both to- total historians, like you said, and we're, we're really inside baseball here, but you know, the, I think if there was like a way to like kind of get the ultimate doink anthology, knowing <laughs> when Kern played doink, because yeah. he apparently played him on house shows too, when Brawler did, when the switch was, and then uh, we're, we're not going to talk about today, but the dozens and dozens of imposter doinks that were all over the Northeast and uh, all later all over the country when Doink was being featured on TV. Uh, it's, it's just such a fascinating character. Um, but yeah, Doink's got, got some unique merchandise. Uh, I love his Hasbro figure. I, I think, I think the best figure of all, honestly, might be that elite figure that came out a few years ago. You've seen that, right? The, now would this be the, the one in the traditional Doink attire or like the 94 Doink attire where it's the orange and the blue? The orange and the blue. Okay, that one is extremely, extremely well detailed and well done. And I got to be honest with you, that's the only one that, and I know they made a classic superstars version of it. Mm-hmm. That's to me, that's Ray Apollo. Yeah, yeah. And well, well, so when when was the Hasbro of Doink released? Do you know, like offhand, like? So the Hasbro is the is the purple card. Okay, mm-hmm. so the purple card was you know they were always a little bit behind the sure. release, oh, yeah, right? So yep. the card packaging is Matt Bourne. Mm-hmm. So to me, the color scheme of the mask or the paint, the costume itself is a Matt Bourne costume. So I believe it was it was released in the I remember seeing it for the first time about the middle point of 94. So if he's released in the fall of 93, then it's really it's it's you know, the concept is Matt Bourne as doink. But by the time distribution hits and they were starting to get a little bit harder to find at that point, it comes out mid 94 ish. That's when Ray Apollo's playing him. I consider that a Matt Bourne item. And you know what I I do too, and uh, 
it's so fascinating just because by the time it came out, even though it was map born, uh, you know, or supposed to be map born at the time, uh, Ray had been doing for what four or five, six, maybe seven months. Yeah. At that point, and uh, because there was there was so much delay with getting stuff out there, you know, which which is a completely different podcast altogether. With like you know even yes. even the mag the magazines being you know four five six months sometimes behind right um but yeah it, it, it looking back that Hasbro it's definitely map worn I consider that a map worn item too no. I feel like the the classic and the elites but just because they're so you know post character uh to some extent relevancy uh you know in at least uh, current wrestling I feel like you you could kind of make a case you know but like you said uh. Uh, there is that one that that is specifically Ray uh, because Bore never wore that particular Correct. outfit. Right. But um, go ahead. No, what I was going to say was, but they 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 kind of flubbed another Doink release of that era that did fall into the uh, Ray Apollo time. And I'm curious to know if you got any of these for the signing, the Bendem. I don't have the Bendems. Now, if you look at the Bendem art. Okay. Okay. The, the Bendem art is very clearly the Matt Born Doink with a smile on its face. Okay. The figure itself is a nightmare fuel like indie version of Doink that looks nothing like either guy. <laughs> <laughs> and though those those Bendems are so interesting in that I as a kid I hated them for whatever reason. I wasn't I didn't like the WCW Bendems. I didn't like the WF Bendems. I was more of a you know, um, love the Hasbro's, love Galoob, even loved LJNs in terms of having them in my little Fed League. But the Bendems, I feel like they were just so puny. Like at least the Hasbro's had a little had a little density to them. Yeah. But yeah. you know, um, the the Bendems couldn't really do anything with them. So uh, I don't. But I actually don't remember the the Doink Bendem. I remember the Diesel, of course, the Brett, the Razor Taker. But I don't remember the Doink one. That's something else we got to look up. So I don't have any of those. So he's got a good number of figures now. You know, obviously it was the Hasbro up until the classic superstars and the classic superstars up until they finally put him in the um, the Mattel line. He was a flashback. He was a, um, a blue-carded elite or whenever they had done that um, uh, style of box art. But now Dink had a, a Bendem figure made that was supposed to be released with the ring. I don't remember if that was a prototype or not. I believe... It was, and I think it's owned now by one of the major brothers uh, and, and their podcast empire. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, D Dink did not have as much merchandise as one would think. And it's so interesting because not as a kid, but looking back, I feel like that is probably the one benefit uh, of Dink, you know, the ability to maybe even reach a younger demographic than they were already reaching with that character like he he doesn't have any figures you know that were that were released he's not on many cards i know there's a couple of cards maybe merlin uh where he's there's doing ending cards right but I, I feel like they really didn't even do a lot with him when presented with with the time no you're exactly right and uh i believe dink is um <laughs> maybe one of these uh, new exclusives that mattel has put in their crowdfunding. I can't remember if it was Doink or Dink. It might have actually been Doink. But Dink, um, you would have thought, would have been the reason why he was turned babyface and given a little uh, person sidekick. Um, uh, one more thing on the merch. Uh, Doink is in the Orange series that was canceled 
in the final line of Hasbro's that never made it to production. Really, and and that would have that would have been a different a different Correct. outfit. Yes, that would have been okay. the the more um, baby face orange and blue like the classic superstars and like the elite figure. Wow. Okay. I, no, I didn't know that. That's something else I'm going to have to make a note and look after the fact. Uh, well, let's let's not forget this that WF magazine cover though. Yes. So that and that's the last thing before we get to uh, the the King's Court and the the clowns. The magazine itself, now he made it to a magazine cover, and that in itself was a big deal because he only got one of those a month. So Doink's magazine cover, he he managed to at least penetrate that as the baby face. And that's, so as uh, a collector and a dealer and, you know, just, a, I guess, a all-around jack of, jack of many trades, being on the WF magazine, there was probably nothing bigger at the time. You know, you look back and... and Making that WF magazine is such a huge thing, and the covers are so memorable. And there's a there's a lot of covers that I like. And from that era, I really like that Doink cover. I think there's a lot of colors going on. It's a good shot of him. There's not many uh, good items of Apollo himself, and I think that's that's right up there. I, I I was able to secure a few of them that I'll either be auctioning off or claiming off. Uh, during that virtual signing on February 19th, but uh, I love that cover itself. Yeah, it's great. I, mean, I would have liked maybe, and that's during the Jeff Jarrett feud too, that he mm -hmm. did get the magazine cover again, syndicated uh, television feud. I would have liked to have maybe seen more of just like a solo doink in like a circus environment <laughs> rather than just the, uh, you know, like you mean like a pose, a pose. Yeah. Rather than just like kind of jumping up in the air, you know, mm-hmm. I don't really know what he's exactly doing. That was October 1994. The uh, the date clown sale question mark is Doink next on DiBiase's wish list? <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> well, I wonder if you think about it, the the character Doink, uh, you know, featured on TV for a couple of years, but there was really so much they could have done with him because I, it's kind of funny to laugh at the headlines, but I feel like. All of those headlines by Aptor or by Russo or anyone that was doing the magazines before, they always involved some kind of, you know, level of truth. You know, like the rockers, the rocker articles about splitting up happening yes. before the turn. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like, like I feel like they were always obviously being fed information on what was to come. So it really makes you wonder at some point in like 95 if, you know, at the very least that Doink wasn't going to be involved in some kind of feud with, you know, the Million Dollar Corporation. All I have to say is, thank God they didn't go that route, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, we almost got Duke the Dumpster Josie in the, the Million Dollar Corporation, right? Yes, we almost did, yes. And that was uh, basically a um, um, like a, a concept purely from the magazine where they thought that that might be something uh, cool to do. But, um, yeah, I'm glad they didn't go that route, especially in the fall of 94 where Doink was just at his peak of – just stupidness, and that's where we'll we'll kind of move towards as we get to the tail end of the discussion. I can't stand this feud, the mm -hmm. King's Court, uh, sleazy, queasy, cheesy, and the King versus Doink, Dink, Wink, and Pink. Your thoughts? Well, so my my takeaways was I I would love to know who all of the because everyone knows well a lot uh, i think a lot of people know you know dink was played by tiger jackson and little louie was one of the midgets on lawler signed i forgot if he was queasy cheesy or sleazy but uh pink 
and Wink and also the other two of that trio, you know, I always wondered who they were and what their careers were before and after. Uh, in, in all cases, I mean, getting a featured match on WFTV, uh, WF pay-per-view was huge. So definitely the high spot of everyone's career. You know, it, it's, it seems so quick. Like even as a, as as a kid, I remember thinking like, "Wow, that was just a really quick match for a four and four match, right?" Yes, it was like pratfalls and yeah, just bad pins and ugh, not good. <laughs> hate it. You know why I hated it? I hated it for Lawler. Yeah, that's why I hated it. Jerry Jerry the King Lawler. Okay, in that epic feud with Bret Hart was where we saw Jerry Lawler. If you weren't from Memphis and you didn't see Lawler all the time or you didn't remember him in the AWA, you knew Lawler from the magazines. You knew him from the books. You knew what he did. All you saw was this guy bloodied and with a belt and oh, sure. ruling ruling the, the territories to then see him with and that great feud with Brett all through 93. And then you would get the little you know crumbs of them still you know feuding throughout the years. But then to be in this feud with the clown, I mean, for him, it's great. It was priceless Jerry Lawler humor. But, oh, man, I hated it for Lawler at that time. I thought it was dreadful. Yeah, it, it not not a high spot of Lawler's WF run, even from that era. You know, but I know that's when they were also, because I know he had a feud with Duke the Dumpster right around then. It seemed like, uh, you know, he was going so strong on TV in the feud of Brett and, you know, got got the win over him at SummerSlam, and they're setting up the big Survivor Series match in 93. And then, you know, he's pulled off TV for reasons we don't need to go into. So it seems like Lawler, when they bring him back, they're, he he's obviously still, you know, doing his commentating, but in ring, he's not supposed to be a serious threat for whatever reason. You know, I don't know if they right. thought, you know, there was some legal issues that were still going on, but they, they just never put him in any kind of real position to do anything until, you know, maybe even like the Isaac, Isaac Yankum, I guess, when he brings him in, Isaac Yankum was supposed to be a threat, you know, at first, and they started up the feud of Brett, you know, uh, uh, which, you know, we, we could talk about all day. But, um, yeah, it feels like Lawler did, did not get uh, the benefit of the doubt with some of his uh, feuds in 94, 94, 95 when he came back to TV. Yeah, just uh, completely uh, just passed off into this just jokey, gimmicky thing. And, you know, again, I just didn't like it. It's nothing against the little people performers in the match. Nothing against them. I, I didn't mind when they would have those matches. You know, they were what they were. But this was just bringing Lawler down like massively, and I thought that really sucked. Um, and again, it kind of made the Doink character done. That was it. There was no coming back from that. And after Survivor Series 1994, he's in the 95 Rumble. Again, I believe he's dumped out rather quickly. I mean, and then that's kind of it. You'd see him pop up in like a you know charitable vignette that they would play, or hey, the WWF was playing softball at this uh, regional high school. You'd see Doink in the background, but besides that, that's it for Doink. And he still hangs around up till, what is it, the 96 or 97 Slammies where Austin beats him up out of the blue. But he's just referenced as the clown. He's not even called Doink. Yeah, uh, so it's it's so interesting because I actually forgot about that too, uh, the running with Austin. But yeah, he was still, uh, WWE at that point in 95, I know they, they had at least two two different uh, house show loops. You know, they had the, the A run and the B run. Um, so he was, I won't say kept strong, but, you know, he was he was a featured attraction on a lot of the B runs, uh, Doink, uh, through through the mid-90s. And without having the results in front of me, I, I would love to see, do you, you happen to know the exact, uh, when, when the run ended 
for doing chats. Well, I can pull up the 95 Rumble was, let me get the date, was January 22nd, 1995. Doink was in the 95 Rumble. Let me see. Doink. Uh, <laughs> Doink eliminated by Quang with a sidekick. Okay. There you go. So that's Doink. Now let me go a few weeks down the road here. Mm-hmm. No, he's not on this B-Town. Let's see, Niagara Falls. Would that be a spot we'd find Doink? No, he's not on that one. Uh, I'm not questioning you, but I'm not seeing him. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, Bristol, Connecticut. That's oh, your neck of the woods. <laughs> that is. That's where I was living for years. That's funny. St. Paul's Catholic High School gym. Doink the clown with dink versus question mark. And it says possibly canceled due to a severe snowstorm, February 6, 1995. Okay. So in 95. So I'm, I'm going to look right now on my end and see the last thing I have. I see with doink. So he was on. Uh... Oh, I got one. I got one. February 12th, 1995 Brock, uh, excuse me, Brookhaven, New York, Bellport high school, Doink the Clown defeats the Brooklyn Brawler. So, oh, and uh, that's I, we're t- we're uh, doing a little recall talking about Brawler's time with uh, Doink earlier. So I'm looking. He actually looks like the last loop. He does put over Wayland Mercy on Raw in August of '95, and then Triple H in September of '95. But it looks like uh, his last loop is summer of '95, putting over uh, Triple H. Uh, 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 recently debuting Triple H and also Hakushi, and it looks like uh, okay. it's, it's specifically it's specifically East Coast. So I'm seeing. Uh, looks like he actually put over Triple H at the Garden, July '95, oh, wow. and then after that, Medford, New Jersey, Vernon, New Jersey, oh my Watertown, god, New York. But do you know? And and you'll appreciate this. Who his last match in the WF was? I have not the foggiest idea. Who was his last match? September 29th, a house show in Port Huron, Michigan, against the one and only Dean Douglas. Wow. Oh, boy. I did not know that. Yeah. So that's the last thing I have for for doing. And uh, literally, you have to go back. He was losing. It looked like he lost his last 60 to 70 matches. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So they, they, he not when he was on TV, he was losing, and even on house shows, putting over Henry Godwin, John Pierre Lafitte, Triple H, Kuchi, all those you know, younger talent they were bringing in uh, during 1995. Ask the dean about that because that's actually you can ask the dean about that because in your upcoming uh repertoire of signings, you've got uh, my good buddy there, the franchise, absolutely. Uh, but before we promote that, let's just give the final critique to face doink. And this has nothing to do with Ray Apollo, the man, the guy who put the time into the costume and the makeup and, the, and all the miles is nothing to do with that. The WWF's presentation of face doink, especially when you look at heel doink, where do you rank it on a scale of one to 10? Oh, uh, so this is specifically heel doink, right? No, this is specifically the face doink oh. versus how they portrayed the heel doink and then how they booked this baby face. Well, I I think that face face doink, you know, had the benefit of heel doink being kind of profiled and a big part of the show, and I think he's going to be looked back at fondly because he kind of was grandfathered in towards what Matt Bourne was doing, what Matt right. Bourne was uh, was running. But 
if that heel run didn't happen, I think face face doink would kind of be like a, a bit of a blip on that WF 94-95 radar. What say you, Chester? I would agree. I think it's got elements where it could have been brilliant and, and could have had legs and could have just sat there at the at the, the beginning part of the card. But I think the damage was done. And unfortunately, there was no going back. Let, let, let me ask you. So in terms of new generation characters and maybe that cheesiness, where does Doink fall? He's at the, uh, he's at, uh, he's at the upper echelon, but his little partner took the cake and it was Dink that was the sourness on the Doink uh, character. So I'm going to put Dink uh, up there, Doink, on, uh, probably by default. Then you got your goon, your mantars, you know, all those other classic. T.L. Hopper? T.L. Hopper, all the ones everybody talks about. But his buddy Dink takes the cake. And <laughs> uh, because of Dink, he falls in a, a good number two on uh, on my scale. But before we let you go, just let everybody know again where to go for the virtual signing and everything going on in the uh, the Captain Corner world. Sure. Well, it's al it's always great being on with you, Chester. You know, we've had a long, uh, you know, friendship and, you know, a relationship. So it's always good to, you know, kind of uh, sh shoot the S, uh, talking a little a little 90s WWF. But uh, everyone that's listening right now, uh, they can go right to the Captain's Corner feed on Facebook. I, I, last year, I had over 100 guests for virtual signings. This year, the goal is to have right around 100 as well from all eras, not just the 90s. We do 70s, 80s. We've even got some AEW wrestlers coming up. A lot of legends. So uh, I would say if you're a wrestling fan and, you know, you like getting photographs signed, you have some items that you want signed, you know, feel feel free to to mail them in and, you know, uh, or just make a purchase. Or, you know what, come in and ask a question. Ask Ray that question about when everything turned over from Matt to him or about the, the house show with Brawler. So we're always having a good time. Uh, our catchphrase is cheers to the working man. And uh, I... I'm able to to live my dream, you know, and and do these weekly signings because everyone out there is uh, is so uh, you know helpful, and you know they're able to spend some time with me and make some purchases uh, every week. It's uh, it's a good little racket you got there, Captain. So I uh, I appreciate the hustle and everything that you do to get these guys, uh, you know, the time and the the exposure. And I know it means a lot to to some of these guys to connect with the fans. So it's uh, it's wonderful that you uh, you had so many guests last year because that meant that the guys were working and that's the most important part uh, of the equation. So uh, yeah, catch Nick on Facebook, Captain's Corner. Uh, you see him all the time. He pops up on YouTube. He pops up on your Facebook feed. Hell, I saw this uh, Steve Kern picture of him holding the uh, the Hasbro figure on Twitter from your signing. Really? So you never, yeah, you never know when it, you're going to pop up. You, you know what? Then give me a second to do this since you just brought up. I'm guessing... It was from the HWO, and uh, the, a lot of the members are actually customers of mine that over in the UK, the Hasbro World Order. Oh, nice. From, from my virtual <laughs> signing with them, and, you know, they're big aficionados of the Hasbro line like we all are. But, yeah, I did that. that's, uh, that's cool that the picture popped up. That's right. See, so you never know where the captain's going to end up. Uh, and give him a follow, give him a like, and do all that great stuff. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter. It's at IB Exclusives on Instagram. My website is IBExclusives.com. You got all my signing information on there. Please go to the new t-shirt website below the slash IB Exclusives. Not only can you get the IB Exclusive shirt, but you get the one that Nick's going to order after we're done, the Chadster shirt. He's one of the only guys 
that sticks to that Chadster nickname. He 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 needs a shirt. Come on, man. <laughs> Chadster. As soon as as soon as we get off the phone, I'm gonna go on and buy my Chadster t-shirt because Chadster mania is running wild. Oh, that's right. So uh, yeah, support me there. And this website is tmptempire.com. All of our podcasts under one roof. Uh, you can't uh, deny that. And uh, we'll catch you the next time. I believe, I'm not sure, it might be another week before we bring back Coliseum Chad, but it's on its way. So stay tuned for my old buddy, the captain. This is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.